0: Oravan Pesa, the Squirrel's Nest podcast, a gatherer of voices, a place to incubate and disseminate critical ideas.
1: Knowledge uh, moves forward as it as it discovers. Never understand me by just watching watching the photons that are being scattered. It was a
2: challenge, and it it might be that there is no one application. Because someone has taken a decision. Everything and is
1: everything following very simple laws of nature.
0: Sometimes the individual who is providing the, the data, it's quite powerless. The research that is not visible because
2: knowledge is knowledge.
0: cannot make a footnote this long. Like a meteor. This is The Squirrel's Nest, and I am Maria Villa, your editor and host. In this first episode, we talk about The Optics of Space, a project curated by New York-based artist Aileen Nash and screened at Heureka Planetarium in Vanta in August 2018. Two films were developed for the planetarium. One was Adaptive Optics by artist Lucy Raven. The other, The Dynamic Range by James Kenneth Wilkins. To discuss the way these works open a conversation on the cross-pollination between art and science, we invited astronomer Dr. Joni Tami from the School of Electrical Engineering and director of the Metzahovi Observatory. And we also talked with Marina Valle creator in HIA, Helsinki, and doctoral candidate of the School of Arts. Our conversation ventured into a series of questions on the human apparatus of vision the two films tapped into. We moved back and forth between scientific practice, critical thinking, everyday perspectives on science and art, and the ways in which contemporary art provides a critical commentary on all of the above. Yeah, most most people don't know that this sculpture is actually a place to talk, and yeah. despite the, the, the sign that's downstairs that tells. So uh, what this place wants to do is bring people together around uh, interesting or puzzling ideas. Um, and the fact that there was a squirrel <laughs> nesting here, uh, f- for me, it was a, quite an interesting thing because it is, it spoke a little bit about this contradiction of Alto being in this environment, natural environment, and how is Alto discussing or in, involving uh, nature into their research, uh, and and this is also a, an organic um, play, um, sculpture. So it's meant to degrade over time, but it was not meant to be <laughs> broken by a squirrel. Uh, in any case, we we thought that it would be nice that uh, the sculpture st- starts welcoming more people from Alto, from different schools to discuss what do they do, the things they do. What do
1: I also like the, Like the idea of, um, you, I mean, you meant, mentioned uh, environment, for example. Uh, of course, for an astronomy astronomer. We also think about the environment, but we just mean a bigger thing. It's the whole universe. That's the, uh, that's the environment, or, or the planets. Also, also when I read about the, you mentioned that uh, this temporary occupation uh, of the squirrel. That's also something that's uh, that's also also very related to astronomy. And and like when we are thinking about humans, humans living in well, humans living on 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 planets or planet Earth or in space or in the universe. We are just Basically, here for a really short time. The squirrel was living here for really really, really short time, and, and and humans are living here, and that's basically what what astronomy is is about: trying to understand what is this thing where we are living in, mm-hmm. uh, and also also uh, how did we get here, and how long will we stay here because before we are not not, not living here anymore. Mm-hmm. So so I, I really like the I like the concept of of temporary occupation this is something that I have to have to use on, on the on the courses. The course I mentioned was was the Astronomical View of the Worlds World Course. It's an alter course starting again in, in January. Uh, it's held now I think fifth for the fifth time. And it's uh, it's a uh, uh, like we describe it as or it's intended to be like a, a multidisciplinary or or Cross-disciplinary astronomy course, so it's astronomy for non-astronomers, mm. uh, and we have a, well, most of the students are from from uh, schools of, of of science and uh, arts, mm. uh, and and that's for for that's exactly for uh, like you mentioned, uh, uh, for example, there how the artists and and. And uh, art and science, basically, how how they are they can be connected, or uh, how how artists can view scientists' search for for uh, uh, understanding the universe, and maybe uh, other way around. Maybe scientists can, can learn from from artists' way of of trying to understand uh, or, or conceptualize. Uh, the, that course is is about that. So we try to give tools for for people from different fields uh, fields to think about, for example astronomy and our universe and to use their own tools. Uh, one is computer scientist, one is, is a structural engineer, one is architect, one is artist or photographer. How they can take uh, ideas and inspiration from astronomy and use their own tools mm. to uh, approach that, that subject. So, so also uh, these kind of conversations might be might be good for giving some New perspective for the students that how how you can actually it's not just that you have to be in one field you can actually just uh, approach the field uh, different co- combine an approach from various perspectives yeah. and it it gives you so much more compared to if you just take one one direction of course yeah uh, astronomy is is part well, it's a branch of physics uh, it's a very mathematical fields. field. Uh, for example, I, I did my master's and PhD in, in high-performance computing and astrophysics. It's completely mathematics and, and, and programming. So, there's, there's no, nothing philosophical about that. But the origin of, of astronomy and the history of astronomy has been very, very for example, philosophical. And, and it's, I would say, that the most humanistic, uh, yeah. probably, uh, branch of, of so-called hard sciences. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe together with uh, theoretical physics.
0: So there's this path in which you decide to develop the research to better understand the universe. And you find, like, problems or particular questions that you can ask instruments. <laughs> and then instruments will throw data to you that you can analyze. And that that's one way of working. But you're not only doing research. You're doing teaching. Yes. Yeah. And and that means, like, going into a different path uh, or a uh, in parallel, mm. you are developing a practice that has to do with training minds to use these instruments in creative ways, in critical ways. I would like to know more how you approach that practice.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I I do actually do quite l- quite little research nowadays because of administrative duties and so on, but I, I like to emphasize... Uh, or put more emphasis on teaching, and I like it actually a little bit better than, than I like research, because, uh, as I said, you want to think about big picture, universe, mm. and so on. But when you are doing research nowadays, and um, if astronomy is, is 7,000 years old, a mm. uh, branch of science, and, and modern astronomy is, is like 500 years. So, so a lot of things have been discovered already. Mm. Uh, if you want to discover something, you have to look into really small details. You have to mm. focus on on so narrow area that no one in the el- no one else in the world is, is is focusing on that. That also means that even if you discover something, you discover something really really small. You mm. you are looking at the trees and you cannot see the see the forest at all. Mm. Uh, or you are not getting paid for to look at the at the at the forest. You are paid to paid to study one one particular tree, and that's not very interesting. Uh, that's not as rewarding. Let's let's say it that way. But when when you when I'm, for example, teaching students, uh, then I can motivate them to think about these these topics, to to start thinking about, for example, the universe uh, and and themselves as, as part of the universe, uh, and and what it means to be uh, live in a universe as a, as a, as a Self conscious, self self aware aware part of that, uh, and, and and so on, uh, and also I like the idea that uh, this this is this is way this is how I I started thinking about this quite quite early on early on that if if I even if I'm even if I were a really brilliant researcher I would only be able to make small contribution for example to our understanding because it would be one person's contribution but if I'm uh, if I'm a good te- good teacher I can motivate tens or hundreds of people into research uh, and they can ma- make tens and hundreds times th- th- ten, th- ten times or hundred times uh, the same contribution and they can motivate other people so it, mm. so I, I much rather feed the like the Make little snowballs mm. uh, that that gather into in larger snowballs mm. than to be one of the one of the uh, snowballs doing something something really big maybe mm. maybe someday so I like that that better so there's the way of of motivating other people to see for example astronomy from new perspective to get interested in that and also then to for for me personally to get more satisfaction from from being able to uh like uh, Concentrate on the on the really big pictures. The, the reasons that I, I originally got interested in astronomy. Uh, there are th- th- things that that we can we we would be able to see if we just had better telescopes, mm-hmm. and or we would we would go into space to near near a supermassive black hole and see what things would look there. Uh, but now we are also uh, also talking about different different uh, level of of invisibility, and that's the thing that. Uh, our eyes can can see only a, yeah. a really, really, really tiny fracture of the whole electromagnetic spectrum. So, so we, um, so for example, we at the radio observatory, or people working with, the, let's say, X-ray or gamma ray telescopes, or micro, uh, uh, even infrared telescopes, they are able to see and capture things that we uh, we wouldn't be able to see even if if we stood just just next to them. Yeah. So, so there are several layers of this, this, and and, and many many people, um, especially uh, in, in in fields such as radio astronomy or X-ray astronomy, they they use the image and they they, they like the like the uh, uh, like the mental image of uh, studying the invisible universe because that's essentially what you are doing. You, we are we are studying things that. Uh, we wouldn't see otherwise without these telescopes and things that we never knew. For example, before the fifties or sixties, or even even to uh, even even very very modern modern times, that we objects that we didn't even know that they exist, hmm. even though they are very near.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's good that you mentioned that because I think that's exactly the the point of inflection for one of the pieces in particular of this um, uh, of this. Um, Project that was curated for the uh, for the Eureka Planetarium, uh, and it's the fact uh, that uh, instruments are limited, and there's a permanent quest for like um, calibrating these instruments mm. and making them more precise and and um, farther reaching. Mm. But there's also this like th- that would be like the first piece that we saw in the in the Planetarium this. Um, Adaptive the, optics. the adaptive optics piece by Lucy Raven, uh, and and the other piece is also re- making a reference to this limited capacity mm. of the human eye, but also of the human mind to uh, approach or encompass this huge immensity in space and and time that the universe is, and by talking about this dynamic range of the human, uh, uh, the human being. Uh, they're not re- only referring to the the optic uh, capacity, uh, um, but actually it's, they're taking this idea of, of the limited range of vision into a metaphorical realm where it's also our limited existence in a larger timeline that we can't mm. even gouge, you know, uh, and... Our presumption of understanding everything, while we are only these temporary occupants of the universe.
1: Yes, you you can always get more data, but you can never get the whole, like the. You you can never capture everything. If you increase the size, for for example, they they talked about the the ways of increasing the um, size of the telescope Mm. or uh, increasing the, um, for example, the quality of the optics and and so on. Uh, So all of that is. Is uh, aimed for for getting more and more data, but uh, that's just that 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 there that is still just photons, there is still just light waves coming from the that are basically reflected from the source. Mm. Uh, in the same same way that okay, we are now sitting here, uh, you can see me because there's a, there's light bulb and that's that emitting photons that are reflected from my my skin and then you can you can see that your eyes can capture that those photons, but you don't see me. You only see that you only detect the photons that are reflected mm-hmm. from from uh, from me uh, so so with a better camera you can see better better pictures and, and and finer details but but you will never understand me by just watching watching the photons that are being scattered uh, from my surface mm-hmm. so that, that, that's the same but that's that's uh, in astronomy that's actually or in in, in any science that's uh, of course a big uh, big question uh, because you are able to only uh, study, you are all, only able to make observations, maybe some experiments, but in uh, astronomy, uh, we, are in the, uh, we are so far removed from our study objects. Uh, we are literally, <laughs> the distances are, li- are, are literally astronomical. We are uh, millions in, in, in our field. We are billions of light years away from, from the objects we are trying to observe. The objects don't even exist anymore. They, yeah. The the last quasars died out some some uh, billions of years ago, but we still see them, so we study them now. But we all, the only thing that we can see is to the the reflected or or, or emitted light from from those. But,
0: and how that translates into models that make sense? Yeah, yeah,
1: yes. Yeah. So we can only try to try to uh, like the, uh, interpret our observations and and try to make make sense of that. It's like that you are in a forest and you are seeing, uh, you are hearing, you're not not seeing a bird, but you hear the bird. And and when you record the bird making noises and singing, you can deduce what kind of bird it is. Uh, But you can never see it. Or you can maybe see it as a Really, some something something in in the in the bushes, but but you, you only have to have the voice. But from the voice, you can all, already uh, when you decode it, when you when you really really model model and understand the voice, you can uh, get, for example, some idea of what kind of bird it is. Okay, um, the depth of the voice, how, how large the bird it, bird is. What is, uh, is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Is it? Is this a warning call? Is this is this a mating call? Is this yeah. is this some some other 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 things? Uh, and when you combine that bird, you are at the, at the same time listening to that bird there and that bird and that bird and that bird and thousands yeah. of birds. Then you start to actually understand a lot about birds.
0: I was I was thinking a lot about when preparing for this conversation that there's like discussing this apparatus of vision, you know, like human vision instrument. to to look into the universe Uh, these artists were commissioned to develop work for a planetarium and and you you would see it inside the planetarium that is actually in Eureka these days just an entertainment center Mm -hmm. that is focused on science. But in a way, it's like it's trying to bring all this audience inside to get them connected to science. But it's um, the the director was telling me in the premiere that uh, most of the shows that are presented in this um, um, planetarium are actually not they they started being around 45 minutes. And very soon they discovered that audiences were not up for something that was more than 20. (laughs) Um, And it makes you wonder, of course, there's a lot of children and but what is the span of attention? Yeah. And what are your motivations for being there, right? But artists decided to... They didn't go for... Um, a, like a, They didn't want to please the eye of the audience mm. like like somebody from the design uh, would have maybe done or, or a photographer. You know, I want impressive images. They mm-hmm. had amazing projectors.
1: Mm-hmm. And they
0: went for something very... Um, co- I would say conceptual um, art, uh, in a way, and what they wanted to do was to not think of this building that is the the observ the the planetarium, but they went in instead as a re- after a reference to the observatory as this other building that is mm-hmm. not a theater, but it's a location. That I learned that it was very interesting that an observatory is actually not a building; it's a location. It's a spot where or is defined like that at least mm. in the dictionary. It's a it's an observation point mm. that happens to have a structure in it a building or some mm. kind of technology to look at something. But what makes it particular is the location. Mm. Whereas the the planetarium is also only a theater. It's is thought of as a place to project mm. and simulate the universe. So we're talking about two very different ways of observing, mm. you know, one that is probably didactic, uh, that helps to shape the mind of the audiences, you know, mm. to, to helps give them tools to understand what scientists are doing in very different buildings. <laughs> that actually, uh, they're probably not even looking at images. Scientists are actually looking at data that then mm. they interpret as images, mm. or in the case of optical Observatories—they are translating images that don't look like much into mm-hmm. data that they can understand. So it was interesting for me this like two sides of this vision. You know, how mm-hmm. do you look at the universe?
1: Yeah, yeah. Observatories are are, uh, the entry point of the data. That, that's where the data. That's where the data is actually produced. Uh, the observations are are turned into data, mm-hmm. but that's raw data. Uh, and that's alone. Almost any any scientific measurement is is very very small and insignificant. But when you combine data from this observatory and this observatory and this observatory, yeah. uh, all of them, and uh, you
0: begin to see.
1: <laughs> yes, and and the 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 one who sees is the so-called scientist. Is 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 the. Uh, no not just the scientists. it's it's the like the process of science process of research that takes data from from everywhere, combines them constructs as something like a meaningful
0: a collaborative process
1: yeah 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 yes yes a, a long long process and as a, a conscious actor, a scientific process is is turning the data into a some kind of story, and then of course there is a still one layer there's someone turning mm-hmm. that story into a form that, that then uh, can be performed for an yeah. audience, that the audience yeah. can understand. The audi- yeah. audience doesn't, could be probably figured or, or imagined so that it's a look, like a tube that in this end you have a telescope, there's starlight coming in, then something happens yeah. and the same starlight is projected here yeah. and, the, and the and the people can can look at the starlight.
0: Yeah, yeah but in the process in the meeting, a lot gets put into that uh, um, description or illustration of but the, the, con- the process. context.
1: The context is put into that, yeah, uh, and also also also, also uh, hypothesis and and assumptions, yeah, and that's that's what the scientific process, yeah. adds, adds in there. So what yeah. this what this probably means yeah. uh, means means from the physical point of view, and then someone, hopefully an artist or some some someone with a slightly different mindset interprets that's uh, interprets that and thinks what this actually means for for me or someone else what this, mm-hmm. this whole whole process means yeah and then why, becomes why do do also this?
0: the question that, that how do you make it intuitive so people can mm-hmm. really grasp it or like process these these ideas like the artists were interested in fact in in the, one of the artists was commenting in his piece that um how um how Events that happen in the universe where there's no sound because it's a void are depicted in science fiction films as having huge uh, explosions and, like the, and, like and the big bang even yeah. the, the word bang yeah. refers to sound and it was silent.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, so and, and this it's a contradiction bit, that we yeah, it's and, and the big bang is is shown as an explosion that's happened somewhere. Yeah. But it, it didn't happen somewhere. It it was It was the universe that exploded. It it wasn't even an explosion. Even the Big Bang. uh... The
0: the creation of the where. Yeah. I want to start this conversation by um, bringing up um, something that um, a painter uh, from the 20th century said, uh, George Braque. He said that the purpose of science is to reassure us by extending the grasp of the physical world while that of art is to disturb us probing the hidden recesses of our consciousness. So, like, the, the everyday understanding of science is that science is going to just tell us the truth about the world,
1: mm. and
0: then then art has this part of disrupting that truth mm. or or putting questions where, where they weren't. Um, so, this naive realis- realism that most people live in, you know, this idea that, the earth is flat and that certain things go according to certain rules. Um, by going by what you just said, actually, the, the scientists will be closer to the artists in the sense of the, they, you be, you're having this understanding of um, the description of the universe that is very likely to be truth. But you're still keeping a reserve because that's where your creative um, room for maneuver is. And, and getting this idea into students' understanding of their discipline, I think it's very interesting, that they're not just um, mechanically applying uh, sophisticated technology to get data from it, but they, that they have an active role in creating new visions of the universe.
1: Yes, the best possible description uh, is, is what scientists can, can give. Uh, but this is something that people, especially lay people, uh, often think... Or they have the misconception. Not not. But this is not everyone, of course. but This is something that that you, especially from the when you read the discussion boards of the inter- internet, there are people who uh, have the who think or believe that, uh, uh, for example, scientists would uh, know, or people who study physics or astronomy or medicine or whatever. Uh, physics, they have the tools for—they uh, don't want to challenge themselves. They, they don't want—no one wants to find—doctors uh, don't want to f- uh, find a cure for uh, cancers. They, astronomers don't want—actually, they, they are hiding, hiding uh, the knowledge of, of uh, extraterrestrial intelligence— Physicists can can actually make already, let's say, everlasting batteries, but they don't want because they want to. Doctors and medicine fields want to keep pumping money from mm. the uh, doctors. Want to get paid and not not cure cancer, uh, or or that uh, uh, astronomers, for example, know about not know that we are not alone in the universe, but we don't want to uh, want to tell tell anyone. For for some reason, I never understood what the reason is. But but or that we we don't want to actually discover the truth. We we are very convenient in having mm-hmm. our fixed worldview, okay. and 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 we don't want that to be challenged. When in fact, every single physicist uh, would be the dream of of every physicist. For example, would be to uh, be able to find a replacement, find an error. In in the yeah. in the let's say the Einstein's uh, theory of relativity or theories of relativity, there are actually two, two theories uh, in 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 the theory of theories of relativity. If you would find that, it would be a Nobel Prize. You would be you would <laughs> it would be immediate immediate, and, and you would be uh, like you would be making completely new new branch of physics. Yeah,
0: you would be beyond your time. Yes,
1: yes, uh, yeah, yes.
0: Yeah well then and then going back a little bit to this idea of making this um, knowledge um, digestible and understandable for the broader audience when 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 you see a piece like like uh, the ones uh projected in Eureka uh as a scientist, what comes to mind for you
1: then when you use really nice like new new technology new uh, processing tools uh, um Robotics, uh, elect- uh, uh, really fast electronics, and, and everything like that—you uh, can sharpen that image so so it actually the whole basically the whole sky sharpens in front of your eyes. Mm. Uh, so that was really really nicely visualized. It visualizes the, uh, what this, for example, this kind of new uh, processes like the, uh, or mechanisms or technology like adaptive optics uh, actually makes. Uh, what what kind of uh, effects it creates? How what kind of clarity? It creates for for uh, for us sitting on top of the atmosphere or yeah. on, on on bottom bottom of the, of the atmosphere. Um, so so I think that was really really nice nice uh, visualization. Also also uh, I assume that they should showed also some uh, uh, like the mathematical models of the of, of the processing, which I think the audience probably missed. Uh, but it, it was uh, like the uh, uh, interference patterns I- interference patterns and and things like this and and it's, i think if, if they if they really wear those uh, that are what what i think they were, it was a uh, uh really nice nice to see them because... yeah the footage
0: it, was taken yeah. directly from the, from the lab where they are building Okay the, yeah because the yeah it, it was, it was really nice
1: yeah because it, many many times the metals are are something that happen in software or happen, happen somewhere and yeah. you press the button and then you you then you get a, a better image. But then when you actually see how it's how it's done that there there's this it's well let's say let's put it this way there's this magic that happens yeah. but now, now you can actually see what's what's happening in there. So it's yeah. it's really. At some nice. point
0: the, the artist was saying that when she planned to visit Arizona she's based in New York these days but she's from Tucson and she decided to make this project around the, the Milan Observatory. And when she was talking to the uh, astronomer at a distance, she said, well, I'm, I'm suspecting that, that I'm, I'm going to go all the way there and there's going to be nothing to see. Mm. And, 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 and he said, yeah, that's probably right. But, but what she found was actually what you're talking about, the way, the way they are actually re- visualizing this um, process of um, calibrating the precision of mm. an instrument. And being uh, having a like an algorithm to calculate the distortion of, of yeah. the air temperature uh, upon the sensor, yeah. so it's a very abstract piece for the average viewer. You uh, know, I mean, if if you tell uh, just a just a regular person that goes to Heureka, there's an art piece mm-hmm. at the moment in in the planetarium. Would you like to see it? Yeah. Maybe they, when they enter, they are expecting something. Uh, I don't know, maybe like the Amos, uh, Amos Rexa piece that is now um, in the new Amos Rexa Museum in uh, Helsinki. I don't know if you've seen. No, I haven't
1: been able to visit. They, just,
0: they just opened. Uh, they have this project by the team lab, which is this um, um, light environment, this like dreamlike mm. universe of uh, like very um, vivid and colorful experience that is immersive experience mm. in this environment. Um, environment of light. Uh, but somebody that walks into the pieces that we saw uh, actually is finding nothing like that. Mm. It's not about creating necessarily beauty. Even if it's an immersive experience, it's it's much more directed to a critical vision of science. And that's what I found compelling uh, to talk about, you know, in this, in this particular piece, that contemporary art is situating in a way to... Towards science and other disciplines in a way that they're not just looking for what's pretty to look at, you know, in the universe, mm-hmm. but they're trying to go into the mind of the astronomer, and and what is the astronomer actually looking at, and show that to the audience.
1: That's that's very uh, that's very interesting, and, and that's also something that I, I have noticed uh, in the radio observatory because we have, uh, um, of course, the. Researchers and and engineers they they want to produce uh, the final products the data points and the data pictures and and images for, for let's say radio images of the sun That's something that we do do every day so um, we are make, those are the final products those are what what we expect the audience to want but then when I've seen the for example the the raw data mm. and and like diagnostic Pictures that what our engineers use, uh, that for example show how the data is ca- ca- collected and everything. Those are are those are really interesting. Look, they are they are they are art. Uh, I would say
0: if you can understand. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But no, even if if you don't, they they are are really. Uh, they are visually very interesting, but mm-hmm. uh, the engineers and, and researchers throw them away because they think that no one, no one is interested in in, in this. This mm-hmm. is just a byproduct. This is just our calibration results, and yeah. uh, but but uh, um, and they they expect the audience that the audience wants to see something, and yeah. they want to see the polished. Uh, polished, uh, clean final yeah, product. Like and cinematic
0: not, picture. Yeah, not yes,
1: yes, and 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 not not this this not this uh, intermediate steps. And only only when you when you see these, then you understand what's actually happening in there. Mm. Um, it's still probably true that the uh, the, uh, the final products are 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 most useful for researchers, mm. but. Um,
0: but there's a beauty to them, also.
1: Yeah, yes, yes, and especially the, the the things that people throw away, they are they are mm-hmm. actually actually very often very interesting, very, uh, very uh, visually appealing, and, and very very uh, very good for 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 example, understanding, uh, getting some intuitive grasp of, of of how these pictures are made. But those the audience audience or the researchers don't see them because because. Uh, uh, They are only shown the final products.
0: you like work with this kind of uh, material with your students, trying to like approach this other aesthetic um, level of
1: yes, and 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 show that this is, for example, if you that that here is the raw data, Uh, here is this this doesn't look like anything; it's just numbers, and here is uh, the final product, a picture. Uh, And actually, there's a lot. The interesting thing, the science goes. In between, so that's that's where the uh, that's where the where the actual interesting thing happens. that's where the magic happens, so to say. I've I've seen that there are a lot of people who are really uh, captivated by these, for example, these preliminary or or. These uh, intermediate stages, and they want to experiment. They want to. Uh, people have been, for example, ask, for for example, asking our de- uh, asking for our data, uh, so that they can they can play with it. They can make their own pictures.
0: This feels more like they're, gra- you know, putting yeah, their hands yeah, yeah, on yeah, the science. Yes,
1: yeah. and 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 we of course want to give them. Uh, we give them this this data because uh, it may be that they. Because they have completely different uh, perspective, they have a completely different background, they might be able to get something something out of there. As I said, uh, yeah. if an astronomer takes the, takes the data, they make a, one, one certain kind of, of standard interpretation of that. But if a computer scientist or an artist or, or, or uh, someone with, with a completely different skill set takes, yeah. takes the data, they can use them, their own own tools, their own methods, or their own approach to uh, produce something completely different. And this is something or that we want to go, uh, want to uh, like encourage. That, that 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 please here is here is our or here are our data. Take that and 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 see what what you get out of that.
0: Just even the the, the kind of questions that they may come up mm. with. You know, there's not. Yeah. Not uh, such a thing as a stupid question. Even, you know, just because they're not a question be- coming from a scientist, they may be questions that scientists have not noticed are relevant.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Then,
0: then we go back to this idea of how, what, what happens if an engineer thinks like an artist. Like this thinking out of your own frame. How does that contribute to advancing your discipline? Mm. Or, or even just to get you a, a broader vision, um, uh, thinker this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her work Susan Sontag that. Uh, I that's the name. Yeah, she says that the only interesting answers are those that destroy the questions. Thinking of research, so th- how do you get to this critical point of view that allows you to further your discipline or to or to even find your own place in that discipline? And how, what does art have to do with that? It's one of the most interesting questions for me in, in this. Um, I mean, who sees what when they're looking at, at the universe? You know, what is the artist seeing when they look at this data? What is the engineer or the mathematician looking at? And how are these modes of vision or these two different grammars uh, interacting mm-hmm. with each other? The pieces that were uh, shown in Eureka wanted to discuss this uh, this position of the of the audience, uh, of the spectator, you know, this this spectatorship. What it's interesting to me is that they were able to grasp two very complex things of our contemporary society: this advancement of instruments, and at the same time, our, our own narrowness of vision, mm. which is m- more connected to the second piece that it had this immersive quality because the, the way the the piece was built, even if it was just um, some error in in a camera's uh, in in the lens of a very p- por- powerful camera that was iterated and replicated with a with a with the same instrument of of the calibrating the resolution of the camera to make it more potent. What it does it's it just uh, um, like increases or enhances this um, dead pixel that the camera has, uh, the sensor has. So you are. You end up being feeling like you're like in this environment where like light is like falling upon you on the dome, and at the same time you have this these stories that are t- discussing this thirst of uh, knowledge mm. and 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 the desire to to understand the universe that not just scientists but everybody has and this need of like reassurance, you know that our finite existences can be overcome because we reach farther with our minds so in in a sense what is what i find that connects the two you know this contemporary art piece and and science is how are we coping with finitude you know what how are we coping with the unknown and i and are, are we finding it exciting and and uh, like it fuels our curiosity mm. Or are we finding finding it um, something that is limiting our scope mm. of action, or our, or our, that creates anxiousness? Um, so I don't know if uh, what you would have to say about that.
1: Well, I I, I, I recognize that uh, I'm glad that you said, mentioned the anxiousness because that's something that we uh, we often or not not often but but uh, frequently. Uh, not, not, not. Uh, it's something that we we hear every now and then. Uh, for example, in in the uh, in our introductory astronomy courses, when when we are discussing the uh, size scale of the universe, and also also the not just size in in uh, in x y and z direction, or in the physical space, but also also in time, uh, mm. because we are uh, we are. We are here for for a short. We have been here for such a short time, and and uh, it doesn't look like look like that we will be here for for uh, at least for at least for not not for the eternity, but but not even even um, really much longer. Uh, and 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 when you're discussing, for example, the cosmical or cosmic uh, cosmic uh, space and and time scales, uh, some people get this existential dread. That mm-hmm. that uh, okay. This is this is really. This is really uh, something that they don't necessarily want to think about, or or they it's get anxious. It's discouraging, and, and it it makes them question uh, uh, their role or, or their their part in the universe, or their their value or significance. Because
0: like why even try? Why even try to do this? Yeah, yeah, and
1: and and, and <laughs> to, to some extent, I encourage this. I I I like I. I like. Uh, I see a lot of value in in uh, in, in in that uh, that the student gets a kind of a shock, because that, that shocks them into thinking, and that, that shocks them into into really it, it gets them uh, emotionally attached to the subject. It gives them personal angle and personal meaning to the to the thing that now suddenly you are not discussing uh, hydrogen and helium. And, and gravity anymore. You you are discussing your own faith, your own own significance, uh, and and uh, and for example, of course, we we then then also tried to term, uh, like discuss the uh, the positive aspects and positive uh, things that what this could mean. That okay, suddenly if, if you think, think think that the uh, I mean, for example, we we did the. course astronomical uh, view of the world where we go go through the astronomical world views developments and and humans human world views developments and and we start with with ancient astronomy and ancient cultures seeing everything being created for for humans and 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 the earth or usually the local village is the center of the universe and and everything revolves around that and then uh, 14 weeks weeks uh, after uh, uh at the end of the course, we are we are just a tiny speck in the universe, really temporary flash of of uh, of, of human beings in in a, in a huge universe, and we are so we are we can zoom out or we can zoom in. Uh, we are not the center of the universe anymore. We can zoom out and out and out and out and see that we are we are on on uh, our village or, or city or, or country is is a one one dot on a globe that is a planet that is. Just one planet of a solar system that is just one, one of of two uh, hundred uh, billion solar systems in, in our own galaxy. And our own galaxy is just one of one of uh, millions and millions and millions and millions of galaxies in a huge huge sea of galaxies. Mm. Um, but then, it also the positive thing from that is that that you are actually uh, also that that uh, if you failed your your exam or or. Um, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, and, and, and also so that it brings, I like, I like to think that it, it gives, uh, it, uh, this kind of thinking should empower people to uh, think that, okay, this isn't probably, that there isn't, uh, this universe, this, this my universe is, is centered around me. So that's the su- subjective universe. The objective universe is still it doesn't care, yeah. but the subjective universe, th- I am there, the yeah. center, and 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 there's no one else is is steering that into the direction that I want, uh, other than me. Um,
0: there's a, there's a hint in the second piece uh, from uh, Ken its uh, Wilkins uh, about this this um, moment of this reckoning of mm. understanding that. You don't have to conquest everything as a, as a subject. Mm. You know, you you can just get um, let go of that anxiety because yeah. you're just a speck here, and you can just accept that. Uh, and there's there's also a sense of tranquility mm. when you just say, okay, I don't have to be so important myself, but this this is still fascinating to learn. Mm. So I, I can still be curious and not make it all about myself.
1: Yeah, for for, for me, and I I, I I I guess that it's, this might be might be the reason that some people are drawn towards astronomy and some some are not. But I I personally feel that that's, that's hugely empowering and, and encouraging. I, I see it completely positive thing that that I have I have something uh, from thirty to eighty years. To do what I want, and then then that's the there's there's my deadline literally, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, then I uh, that's my time limit. So so I shouldn't waste waste my time doing something mm. something completely meaning meaningless. I, I should uh, I should use my time here uh, to to really take make make most of this. I think it was a uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius uh, the Roman stoic emperor who said uh might might be also Seneca who uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, said that the or basically was talking to himself in his no, no, notebook uh, or diary saying that basically banishing the, the the dread of of existence saying that or, or fear fear of, of for example the end of of his own existence saying that uh he has Lived now for for so and so many years. Uh, before he was born, there was a, if he, basically if he looks back, he sees an, an infinite uh, uh, emptiness. So he has been there already. In in front of him, he also sees infinite em- emptiness. So so nothing to be afraid of of that. So so it's the the area between the small valley between these these huge emptinesses. Mm-hmm is what matters and that motivated motivated him to make make, make most of, of his life and and, and I, I fully agree that for me for example astronomy these these concepts uh, or these these scales have always been more of a comfort so so I like that uh, that for example this this piece in in, in Heureka also took that that into, into 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 consideration that
0: yeah
1: that it's not just it's, it's not everything is not just about you. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and also the acceptance of that that the system that explains um, reality is not is not round and perfect and complete. Uh, so I I do like about this piece that is is humbling, but it has this humor part of mm. it that we all can connect to um, in a way that just a visual experience that would have been very colorful and and playful would have left us with like nothing to think about. Mm. Sometimes the, what I find interesting and compelling and why I like working with contemporary art is that it steps into these difficult territories and points at things and gets us thinking about them uh, so and in a way that is not um, underestimating the, the audience mm. in any way actually both both pieces were pretty complex mm. um, to 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 figure out what they are really about um, and and that's why I regret not maybe not a lot of scientists uh, got to see them. Uh.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that. There is usually a pro- the problem is that uh, when, for example, science is being communicated or science science is, is being uh, used as a as, for example, visual visual aid or, or or shown to shown to shown to larger audience, it's dumped down so so uh, so completely that it's it lost. Uh, it it loses the the potential for for the people to actually actually um, make some personal connections or, or really really to understand or, or have some 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 uh, significance in there. There's, everything is stated as as a matter of fact uh, and 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 literally as a fact that this is how it is. Uh, Whereas in, in science we we never know what what it, what it is. We just have have a better and better uh, guesses and better and better understanding of of what this probably is or what this could be. We have no idea what 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 actually is happening. We just uh, we interpret it. We we, we interpret everything uh, uh, with our measurements and and senses. But um, but it feels that often when when science is being uh, being uh, popularized. Uh, it is. It feels like the the artist or, or the one who is making the making the presentation uh, doesn't believe that the audience can do the interpretation themselves. It, it has they can be, handle. Yeah, yeah, the yeah exactly. Theme. Yeah, yeah. So everything has to be really, really simple. Everything has to be really, really colorful, really uh, visually appealing, but but without any any deeper context. Or or, or or room for for interpretation and that's something that's uh it, it's it's well,
0: or they they're giving only the answers but not the the questions that are still pending for instance yeah yeah
1: and what what this actually mean what this could mean what this could mean yeah. to you how how, how yeah. could you actually use this they are giving stated as a, as a list of facts
0: yeah go back to the reason why we're having this conversation is that it's go into these questions that are not solved yeah <laughs> uh, this, this part of the, of the research that is not visible because you never talk about this in a paper you, you mm. cannot make a footnote this long mm. to yes. explain your vision yeah. <laughs> beyond the, the actual like black and white results yes So. well thank you so much for, for having joining us uh, in, in this uh, thank you for pilot
1: well ple- pleasure was all mine
0: Welcome to this uh, uh, squirrel nest uh, initiative. You're preparing your doctoral dissertation on curatorial theory in Alta University, uh, but you're also an architect from your bachelor, <laughs> which yeah. is an interesting turn. Not, not always uh, mm-hmm. you have architects going into the contemporary art field to to think of from the point of view of uh, curators.
2: Yeah. Um, it took me a few years to understand um, that I was, though working as an architect, I was actually doing curatorial um, work. Um, and I think it uh, came at a time when it, when it became clear for me um, our, how important it is, our relationship, like to space and to time. Like how our bodies um, like move around and how we engage with artworks in an exhibition space. And that's actually what I find quite interesting. Um, or different ways of seeing or different ways of um, um, using and occupying space with our bodies, with artworks, and how we kind of blur with each other like that. So <laughs> I don't know how... Um, I don't know how well I can uh, express this uh, in words, but uh, I think this is a little bit where how I connect yeah. architecture and um, and curating. And maybe good to tell also that um, um, this, the infrastructure or the structures of curating and artist structures, it's something that I have like a genuine genuine interest in. And uh, more than, I would say, like single works. So I tend to think more in multiplicity or multiples of works. And maybe that's also come when the, my interest in working with collections and, in, uh, and especially public collections. But so.
0: well, it makes more sense coming from an architect that you're thinking in a more spatial way like a like, uh, um, whole experience, not just uh, like one-to-one viewer uh, art piece experience, but in a more like yeah 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 integrated yeah, way yeah, yeah yeah we had a, a bit of a conversation before about how this piece is working with the apparatus of vision mm-hmm. And I was interested in, in the ways in which contemporary art, as a block of, like, a a form of practice and a way of looking at reality and of the natural environment and our role in it as humans is contrasting or intersecting with science and how these artists attempted to connect the two. Because science is dealing with very particular issues Mm -hmm. and in a very particular way, and then contemporary art is doing it also, uh, And it's doing it differently from uh, the ways in which film or graphic design would address science or science content or science imagery. I was interested in that particular vision of of science that contemporary art may bring in. Uh, So we're discussing a little bit how science sees this information that comes from outer space and processes it and the process of doing research on it. And at the same time, I was trying to go into the metaphorical aspect of these pieces mm-hmm. that looks at that that perspective, human perspective of uh, outer space in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the overview of the discussion. And then, uh, well, I wanted to point at, at the fact that okay, it's nice to have a conversation with um, scientists, but I this piece also demanded uh, perspective, or I was very curious about. What would be the perspective of someone that actually does work uh, as a curator and is dealing with different ways in which contemporary art um, builds a narrative and and how that narrative has to do with infrastructure, space, and in particular, like the space of, of science? Um, because I know how contemporary art operates, or I'm more used to it these days, I didn't expect... I was curious to see what the artists would lean to when receiving an invitation for this kind of a, a projection room, and uh, I, in a way, I wasn't surprised that they didn't go for something more visual. Uh, having you know this amazing machine that they could just do whatever you know super colorful thing, and and instead they went into the mind of the scientist.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Um, but at the same time, they managed to make a very immersive experience for Mm the viewers. I don't know what other viewers like less acquainted with contemporary art discourses or media, uh, would have thought of Mm -hmm. this piece. Mm -hmm. It was only Mm -hmm. screened for two days. But uh, what did you think of it as as it was happening? What was your experience like as a curator? I...
2: During the whole like, the whole screening, I, I, just, I thought there was a lot of light during the two yeah. um, productions. And uh, I didn't have expectations, I would say. I think I was just well, really more curious to see what was going to happen mm-hmm. uh, and what would come. Um, but um, it's funny that there was not so much colors. Actually, uh, yeah, um, I also don't I don't know because maybe because I also don't know the technology uh, for the planetarium and how much um, like the light and lumens of the projectors, they uh, they interfere with what was uh, meant to be when you mm. were working on it on the on like on a flat screen. Um, but I thought that this maybe it will be something also interesting to, to, to see. Um, I quite like when um, we have like a very artificial light conditions, especially when uh, I think it's something that you can get through watching like videos and movies, like yeah. moving images, yeah. that we usually don't have when we are, uh, I don't know, having coffee outside. <laughs> Watching uh, a class or a lecture,
0: mm.
2: um, but yeah.
0: Have um, you been to uh, a Mosul-Rex uh, experience? <laughs> Not yet.
2: I just came back from Moscow. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
0: but uh, because that promises yeah. uh, to be that kind of experience, yeah. almost. Uh, and I think th- I, I mentioned it because it it seemed to me that in especially in the second film, yeah the dynamic range, I feel that there was a lot of um, an interesting critical point of view of our uh, visual consumption, uh-huh. you know, the way we are yeah. visual consumers yeah. Yeah. and the way we relate to image, you know, in such a way that we expect image to kind of like bathe us, you know, and, mm. and uh, become this kind of um, sort of... Um, White noise for existential anxiety. Uh, um, so a lot of the a lot of what the spectator um, is expecting from from a screening or from, from anything that happens in a theater is to kind of like be abducted from reality and go into this uh, other realm where everything is colorful and uh-huh. and uh, magic. But the choices that this both these artists made were actually on the opposite direction, um, while still being very striking uh, visually. Because it was an interesting experience to be like in this like chamber of sound and 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 light. Uh, the narrative was bringing us into a very respl- reflective uh-huh. uh, position. Yeah, both of them.
2: I think that the sound component of both were like equally or even more important than the, the
0: visuals. But I think there's also this um, expectation of uh, reassurance from science that they're mm-hmm. going to give us facts and mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Uh, about life. Uh, mm-hmm. So and he's dealing with this with this um, the limits of knowledge and and that this moving limit mm-hmm. that is this infinite quest for knowledge, that the, the the target is moving farther and farther. Uh, and how we're kind of like um, fighting with ourselves, by you know, like refuting our own knowledge mm-hmm. over time. You know, the, the history of science is a history of refutal.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and also like a, um, a history of um, breaking paradigms. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, a, so, yeah. Uh, when you think... That's actually that something is uh, that you are dealing with something that it, it or not something is but you are dealing with uh, a truth. Uh, but then um, actually it happens that uh, this is no longer true. Yeah. And now uh, the truth is something else. Yeah. Um, I think this uh, this uh, eternal search for knowledge is also quite exhausting. A human being lifespan. I think that this can also be exhausting. That you are always uh, in search for more and more.
0: Yeah, either more truth or more entertainment. <laughs> yes. So, but then, but then, when when uh, as a viewer you enter this space of these um, yeah. pieces to, to see these films, either you you want more truth about the universe uh-huh. because that's what you expect from planetarium, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or you're actually. Looking for something comforting—that's what you expect Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. art. Mm -hmm. But but I I, what I love about contemporary art is the way Mm. it doesn't it it refuses to do either. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to give you beautiful pictures of the universe to look Mm. at. It's not going to give you final answers about you know what the Big Bang meant, Mm -hmm. and what the 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 artists are doing is is taking you while they display this visual. Sort of engaging, you know, um, um, like sequence of images, where you are kind of tuned in and trying to understand what they're about, and they're kind of abstract, but you still, you know, kind of like uh, process them. And and you, what is engaging is this voice that is taking you inwards, not to the outer space, but to your own desire for knowledge or your own desire for pleasure mm-hmm. through art. Mm-hmm. So. I find that, th- that the critique that these pieces contained in them was very interesting that way. Uh, so instead of getting you distracted visually, the pieces were making you come to terms to your own desire of truth. Yeah, This quest for perfect image, mm. for the, com- mm. the highest resolution, the most... Uh, you know, perfect image, Mm. which is happening on both ends of the spectrum. It's happening with the scientists, you know, trying to look out of space. And it's happening with just amateur photographers Mm -hmm. wanting to have the most powerful camera on Earth. Uh, So I think that's where the two films Mm. nicely intersect. It's the same anxiety Mm. Mm. uh, playing in completely different uh, fields.
2: Yeah. Uh Yeah. It made me think now that these uh, sensorial anxiety that we have, uh, like we want to see perfectly, uh, or we want to see better and better all the Mm -hmm. time. Uh, That's, uh, this is something like this, so like thinking of the senses, this is something nice to, that exhibitions can or have the power to, ability to explore. I'm talking about the exhibition space and how one can engage or try to engage using different senses. Mm. Engage with art or artworks, but actually using different senses, not yeah. only by looking at uh, or hearing, but maybe touching also.
0: Yeah, and Yeah. and what each viewer is wanting from it. I don't know if you remember in the Q&A section that uh, one of the... A uh, person in the audience asked uh, a question about how um, uh, how the film was so interesting and uh, James' film was mm-hmm. interesting as a visual experience, like such a beautiful experience mm-hmm. that yeah. that the narrative was actually like interfering with it. Mm. <laughs> that he was so much in for the mm. for you know just enjoying this light twinkling and and mm-hmm. and falling upon you like mm-hmm. a, you know like an. Ex- in, like, spiritual experience of sorts. Um, and and then James replied that it was a compromise, that he always felt that his pieces needed both the, the visual element and then, and then the narratives, and he wanted to be experimental with both. Mm. What I found after looking at the piece uh, later on, and you know, trying to you know, make sense of what all the stakes that were in for this piece, I realized that... Um, that at the end, he has these four stories happening mm. during the film. Mm. And towards the fourth of, of these stories, where the, the New York uh, camera shop is, uh, is a setting, you've, he's, re, he's giving us the clue as to why his piece has the colorful... I mean, he's giving us a clue into how it was made mm-hmm. and how he got to the, that mm-hmm. idea of mm-hmm. having that light happening. In their environment, so they're not disconnected. Mm-hmm. And what I find beautiful is to to suddenly make the connection, and it all makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the fact that he's comparing buyers to cavemen, you know, going for the flame mm-hmm. after the light, mm-hmm. you know, how mm-hmm. we are kind of thirsty for these mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and and the moment of resolution or that like this um, a reckoning he calls it, where he realizes that he could just leave the cap on and on the camera and experience the same high fidelity mm-hmm. image mm-hmm. as if he was looking at the most beautiful landscape. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of, I mean, there are many layers to this piece. And that's why I found uh, fascinating because in, in that same action, he's kind of like embracing finitude, mm-hmm. our finitude uh, mm-hmm. like embracing our limited ability to understand and see. And yeah. being okay with that. Uh, I think
2: that uh, also like already in the beginning, when there is like we're searching for answers, no, actually we're searching for clarity. Yeah, exactly. So then it's also maybe it's a way to like that the, the cycle or circle goes mm. on.
0: Yeah.
2: There is something mm-hmm. very nice of um, uh, this first-hand experience it's not common that we have that—that that artists are actually seeing their work for the first time together with the viewers. Yeah, that's quite unique. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Um,
0: and they were surprised at the way they they, sound, were, they said. It sounded and it yeah. looked.
2: Yeah, and so that for me was a quite unique uh, moment mm-hmm. there in the planetarium, and I think it's also very brave of. Uh,
0: Haley, Haley Nash, yeah, yeah, the creator. Yeah. Yes,
2: and all to um, embrace that and bring uh, James and Lucy together. In yeah. that. Um, uh I'm not. I don't know how much this was uh, meant or not to be, but I found that was actually quite. Uh, yeah. Quite awesome. And also to be in a position where you. I don't know if vulnerable is the right word here, but in a position that uh, you are okay if uh, if uh, not everything was achieved, that what yeah. you want to was achieved.
0: Yeah, you take risks of not knowing what it's going to mm-hmm. look like.
2: Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that's something maybe we should also um, mm, go more for that. Uh, that... Uh, I think then we are also listening to other senses, like maybe you are listening to your guts. Uh, and this, this should also be okay. I think that um, um, especially in the arts, uh, there is so much uh, uh, compromise to the final outcome and uh, that the final outcome have, or the outcome should be something final, that it's okay. me- as said com- that there, it's complete it looks seamless
0: and tidy, and
2: yeah. And I feel that uh, if things were not so tight, as you said, or tight, uh, and if there was al- also more room for things to maybe or maybe not, um, we would start uh, uh, moving a little further, uh, especially when we think of exhibitions and ways of engaging with artworks. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I, I think there's there's a lot of uh, courage to do that, and there's a lot of value to present mm-hmm. that to the viewers
2: mm-hmm.
0: and expect the viewers to be able to, to see the, the, the courage in it, mm-hmm. not just appreciate the, the Polish form. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also means that you take the audience more seriously. Mm-hmm. Or, like,
2: the audience yeah. is also, like, part of that... Um, um, that this first uh, reception, together with artists and curators, that audience is also part of this. Like, does it make sense? This first reception of the work, yeah. Because I yeah. felt that that was pretty much what was yeah. happening there when we watched uh, the. Two
0: oh, episodes. so you you could even put it the other way around, like huh. the, the last production moment. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> you know? That's so true because that's uh,
2: yeah, that's the uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it brings the audience, and the audience is part of that.
0: I guess it, this this audience provided the last moment of mm-hmm. that production process for it mm-hmm. to be released to other mm-hmm. auditoriums in the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so maybe that's like a, something nice that I think we learned from that uh, from watching those the videos in the planetarium. I said that it was there was this surprise component for everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Audience, artists,
0: curators, maybe director also. And I. I also feel that there was uh, this relationship between the visible and the invisible Mm -hmm. was very, very strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, In the sense that you step into this space looking, you know, hoping to get something visible out Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it takes you to an invisible Mm -hmm. uh, domain. Mm -hmm. The things that we cannot see in space, the things that we cannot understand about our our own selves Mm -hmm. and the way we operate. Uh... Yeah, was, I was. I think that the name visual arts is gonna apply less and less <laughs> over time <laughs> <Let's hope so. laughs> yeah. uh, to the things we do. <laughs> uh-huh. I
2: think it's a good, it's a good premise. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Sounds Marina. Good.
2: Thank you, Maria,
0: for for joining us uh, yep. in the squirrel nest. Uh, <laughs> very good. This podcast is possible thanks to the support of the Art and Creative Practices Initiative in ALTO University. Special thanks to Ariel Bustamante and ALTO Studios.